I'm Marissa Norcross. And I'm Dave Freud, and this is The Next Page. Marissa, how are you today? I'm fantastic. How are you? Oh, (laughs) nothing better than terrific. I'm doing very well, thank you. Yeah, well, you know, I I did notice that you have been really chipper lately, and you seem really refreshed after your uh, time away. Well, not physically away, but maybe (laughs) (laughs) mentally away from the office at your training. Yeah, I, I, I am a newly crafted or whatever person I was gonna say newly minted but that's that's not you know there is no such thing as a newly minting type <laughs> but anyways you can't remint human beings um no but I I am really in in great shape mm-hmm. um not physically physically I'm still getting winded <laughs> when I walk but anyways but I the post that went out this morning was titled was it a vacation question mark and I honestly think that I am more rejuvenated and more refreshed and more engaged than had I been on vacation, mm-hmm. which That's a bold doesn't make any sense. Yeah, because, you know, I've come back from vacations and, and yes, I'm physically refreshed, but I'm not always mentally recharged. Mm-hmm. And so I spent, um, it was actually a total of four days. So at, twice a year. The John Maxwell team has our international Maxwell certification event. It's typically in Orlando. Unfortunately, since August of 2019, it has not been in person, um, but it's been virtual. And they continue to improve it. Uh, they use some software, event software called Hopin. And literally, this it was so amazing because you go to the, the reception page and you'll see International Hall. So International Hall is one of the ballrooms at the World Marriott in Orlando where they set up different booths to, to market different things. And, and you click on International Hall, and all of the booths that you would normally see with their signage are right there. Wow. And then you click on one of those, and you enter a room where there are people talking about it. It was, it was just so – it was just, it was really incredible. Mm-hmm. Um, meeting people. So – you can do virtual networking where you just, it's called mystery networking. You just want to meet people and people will just come and go into a room. Um, you can also, like, if you see someone, I had two people reach out to me. Um, one of them, a, uh, an assistant superintendent in a, in a nearby school district, just saw my name in the chat function and reached out to me and scheduled a meeting. So you're just meeting virtually. Mm-hmm. It, it was really great. And so so it was a total of four days. Um, when I got done, I had 26 pages of notes. Wow. And just unbelievable content, so much excitement, so much energy. And you think, how I'm staring at a computer screen for four days. Mm-hmm. But it was such an inspiration to be around inspiring people who were thrilled to share the content, um, who, you know, and being able to watch in the chat. Now, this was something I really wasn't sure was a good idea. But while the speaker is speaking, there's this constant stream of chat. And, and what so one of the those of us that are in the executive director level, we have to serve at these events. If I'm in Orlando, I have to give three hours every day, you know, to help run the event. So what they asked my group to do this time was we had to be posting any content and engaging in people in the chat during one of the presentations, which meant I really couldn't follow the presentation well at all. But 
what that was doing, well, I thought it was distracting, so I didn't think it was a very good idea. But what I did notice was there was energy there. Mm-hmm. And people were reposting a quote or were saying, what was that? I missed point two. And, and people would answer it. Um, so it really ma- it made you feel like you were there, even though I was sitting in my office at home. How many people were um, in these sessions with you? So there were a total of folks uh, engaged in the event was about 1,800. Wow. So if when we were in the main sessions, the main presentations, it would have been all 1,800. And then um, when we there's different groups, so there's folks in mentorship, and so I'm I am in mentorship, so I could go to some of those events. The number might have dropped to 600. And then in the executive director level, we only had one breakout session. I think there were probably 200 and something in that one. Mm -hmm. And the neat part is it started, the energy started like a week ahead when I got a black box with this gold seal on the top that said 10th anniversary. Mm -hmm. And I knew exactly what it was. And I open it up and they just give you, so what they do every time there's an event, they mint what they call a challenge coin. And so in the box was the challenge coin for this event. Um, little thing, you know, just post-it notes that said John Maxwell team, uh, 10th anniversary. Um, other things like notepads, luggage tags, nothing that cost them a bunch of money, but truly made you feel valued. Yeah. And that set the tone for the inspiration. Mm-hmm. So I don't know how long it's going to take me to, to totally process through everything, but I kind of gave you a list of things, and there's a couple. So what we really want to do, we want to share with, with our listeners some things that I learned. And, and also, the reason why I'm glad you started with the, quest, with the comment that you could tell that there was something different, the only thing I can point my finger on is it was learning that I received, and it was inspiring. Mm-hmm. And it reengaged me. I mean, if I could find a way to get 40 hours in a day, it would be so exciting. <laughs> Because there's so many things I want to work on. Yeah. So many things I want to do that I can't because, oh, it's the end of the day. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. I mean, and, and as we've talked about and as you say in every single one of your classes, the best way to reinforce what you've learned is to share it with others. Yes. So I chose. So go for it. Yeah. So I, I looked at your list and chose a few things that. Um, our listeners could take away from this podcast. And I think I, I think I ordered them in a way that the first thing we'll talk about will be um, maybe the most intense or time-consuming uh, yeah. item. And then we'll go to uh, more introductory as we go, or at least easier. Sure. Yeah. Ways to have an impact. So the first item was five things you needed to bring about real change. And this this one was super exciting. And I'm going to introduce a word that probably we've never heard because I had never heard it. Mm-hmm. But so thinking about this, five things that you need to have or to go through to bring about real change. And the first one is you need to have been changed. You can't bring about change unless you've been changed. Mm-hmm. Like leaders can't say, I want you to change. Well, what's that mean? But, and, and so the reality is that many leaders talk about change and they have a vision for change, but few leaders really show change. Few are truly an example of someone who has been changed. And, and the reason why that's so important is um, 
people need to see what the journey looks like. You know, 89% of what we learn, we learn visually. We see things and it causes us to, to model that. You know, think about little children before they can even speak. They're learning so much just by looking. Mm-hmm. And so if I've been through, so the reason why I think um, I got so passionate about leadership development was because I was crashing and burning and I needed help. And I found that the way to help my leadership journey was to re-engage in learning and developing. And then I, could able, I was able to help fix the mess that I had made of the organization. So again, number one is you need to have been changed to be able to lead people through change. People, you know, people want to know, what's this journey like? Well, let me share my experience with you. The second one, and this is the word that maybe you've never heard. I had never heard it. Have a possibilist mindset. Hmm. Possibilist. Now, I was sure that that was a word that they made up. Yeah, that's what I was just about but, to say. But nope, if you look it up, there is a word called possibilist. Hmm. And so the definition of a possibilist is this. Someone who sees the opportunity, lesson, or silver lining in any situation. Someone who sees the opportunity, lesson, or silver lining in any situation. It kind of reminded me of... of um some of the trainings that we did when the when the the virus started settling in you know in the center of difficulty is great opportunity mm-hmm. possibilists are the people that are looking there someone who frames circumstances to reveal choices so this isn't someone by any means that's ignoring what's going on but they frame a circumstance so that a a choice an opportunity can be shown to the team I thought that was really cool. Someone who sets their aim and plans with intention and integrity. The next bullet point is that someone whose instinct is to find others and lean in together. And I thought that was really a cool one mm-hmm. because the possibilist is the person that's saying, this is a really, really, really big challenge, but together we can do it. I can't do it alone. You can't do it alone, but if we can get enough people to buy into what it is we're trying to do, we can do this. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was really, really great. And then this one I thought was great. Someone who accepts what happens and then starts again. That's hard to do. <laughs> yep. Yeah. yeah. And so these, these bullet points were actually uh, crafted by Scott Perry. I have no idea who Scott Perry is. But I do know what his title is. He is the chief difference maker at Creative on Purpose. So I thought, wow, chief difference maker. That's kind of cool. So the the so those that was only so the I've only covered two things out of the five. Three, you have to believe that people can change. And Believing that people can change gives you and that person the expectation that they will change. Mm-hmm. Too often, we, are, we don't expect enough of people. You know, and I think one of my first posts that I ever wrote back in 2016 was something like, we need to expect more of others. Or I don't, that was the concept behind it, mm-hmm. that we don't expect enough of ourselves, of others, of 
politicians, certainly not, you know, our elected <laughs> officials, but we need to expect more. And, and when, when you communicate to someone that you have high expectations for them, you're actually telling them that you value them and that you believe that they really, really can change. Number four was you have the right resources. And so uh, this one was um, a real telling one. So, you know, we want to make a change, but do we have the resources? Do we have access to the right resources? And number five is you are in an environment conducive to change. So, because I always ask you questions I never tell you I'm going to ask you, what do you think might be key components to an environment that's conducive to change? Uh, an environment where it is safe to make mistakes or be wrong. Bingo. Yes. Awesome. What else? Um, a creative environment that yep. fosters thinking and trying and piloting. Um, I think also an environment with other people who are who have changed or, or who are trying to yeah. change or who, you know, believe just the three of the other points that you made that, you know, believe that people can change. Yep. Um, I think all of those things would support a, a good environment. Exactly. Exactly. And, you know, when I go into organizations, you can tell mm -hmm. if there's an environment conducive to change or are they stuck in, you know, a time that's a generation past. Um, you can you can really tell just by the way people react when you walk in. Mm -hmm. And and I think so. Max Dupree said this. He said the first responsibility of leaders is to define reality. Now I've heard that many many times. But Mark Cole, the CEO of the John Maxwell Enterprises, said the next responsibility of a leader is to find the possibility. And I thought, wow. You know, so many years I was just a boss. And not a leader, mm -hmm. because I didn't, I didn't find the possibilities. I found the problems, and then, you know, made people feel probably guilty for having a problem when I should have been celebrating the problem and saying, "Great, what's the opportunity here? What's the possibility that could come out of this type of a scenario?" Mm -hmm. um, there was there was a really great great story, and one of the other things that at some point I think we're going to talk about is what does it mean to be for. F-O-R, but one of the examples that this, this author, um, uh, I'm trying to remember his name right now. So if I grab his book, I'll be able to know exactly what his name was. Jeff, uh, Jeff Henderson. I knew it was Jeff, but I wasn't sure it was Henderson. So Jeff Henderson actually started working in marketing at Chick-fil-A. And he was told to, uh, Chick-fil-A was going to be a sponsor for, it might be the Peach Bowl which is in, um, in the Atlanta area. And one of the things was he had the idea to put the little Chick-fil-A cow in every cup holder, and there were 70,000 seats in this stadium. So there's no money in his budget, so he actually contacts Truett Cathy, who was the founder of Chick-fil-A, who probably was just the chairman of the board at the time, and he said, you know, Truett said, this is a great idea. And Jeff said, yeah, but I don't have any money. So if we're going to do it, <laughs> you, have to write, you have to write me a personal check for these 70,000 little stuffed, you know, black and white cows. So he said, and then he had to, so all of a sudden, 
Truett writes the check, and then he goes, "Oh, great!" Then I got home and I and I said to my wife, "How in the world now I gotta do am it? Am I gonna put? How am I gonna put seventy thousand of these things in cup holders?" And I think it took him like three days to get a team of people to fill all these cup holders. So everything was great. This is gonna be a super opportunity, super marketing thing. Well, the home team, which I don't know, maybe it was the Georgia Bulldogs. I don't know who it was, is losing in the bowl game. And toward sometime either the third or fourth quarter in this football game, they start to make a run, and they're they're getting down toward the their end of the field where they're going to score a touchdown, and a play gets called back because of a penalty or something that was kind of a questionable play. And Jeff says, all of a sudden, one guy takes his little stuffed uh, cow and throws it on the field. He oh, said, no. and soon he was joined by 20,000 of his best friends who also threw their cows <laughs> on the field. <laughs> he said, if you were listening to the broadcast on TV, you would have heard a commentator say, I wonder who the genius was that thought it was a good idea to put these little stuffed cows <laughs> in the cup holders. And he said, I saw my career just passing in front of me. Uh-huh. And he said, I am certain that I'm going to get fired. And he said, but all of a sudden... The next day when I was called into a meeting, my boss said to me, Jeff, how are we going to get people next year to throw cows on the field? Mm -hmm. And what he said was, my boss was for me and realized that that was not the intention, but looked for the possibility. He said it was tremendous. It, It looked they had to delay the game to rake all the cows off the field. But everybody watching the game knew that those were Chick-fil-A cows. So he spun it into a win, mm-hmm. a possibility. So that's a possibilist, a possibilist who happened to be for his employees. And at some point, we're going to do a podcast on what that means. So those are the teachings between the five things. Again, those five things, you need to have been changed yourself. You need to have a possibilist mindset. You need to believe that people can change. Number four, you have to have the right resources. And number five, you are in an environment conducive to change. Those are the five things to bring about real change. All right. What's next? So we went from five, now we're going to go to two. Okay. Two questions that need answering. Yes, these were, these were questions that also Jeff Henderson had, had um, proposed. And, and, and too often, now remember, he's a marketing guy. He's talking about branding. He's talking about figuring out how can you make your brand something that sticks. Mm -hmm. And he used these two questions. He said, the first question you as an individual or an organization needs to know is, what do I want to be known for? It sounds like a simple question, but it's not. You know, it really caused me to think, what do I want to be known for? And then he said, the second question that needs to be answered is this. What are you known for? You can can want to be known for one thing, but if you're known for something else, there's a problem. But he said, when those two questions are, when the answers to those two questions are the same, what do I want to be known for? And what 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 am I known for? When those are the same, you're in congruence. And other people become vision carriers for you. So when people, when what you want to be known for or your organization wants to be known for and what it actually is known for is the same, you have raving fans. 
and they carry your vision to the marketplace. And he said, there is no finer or more effective marketing than positive mouth-to-mouth marketing. He said, it beats any other kind of marketing plan you have. And all you need is to have that congruence. This, they have to be known for something good. but This reminds me of something that one of my college professors, a story that he shared in one of my marketing classes. Um, it was about McDonald's. And their, yes. and their marketing, at, um, I'm not sure what time period this was in, but I learned about it in 2010 or 11. Um, and he said that, you know, McDonald's didn't want to be known for their food, but rather their very clean bathrooms. Hmm. And and I think in like cleanliness in general, but specifically bathrooms, because yep. a, where a lot of their locations are, we're like off of highways and freeways, and yeah. um, you know a lot of people who maybe were on a long road trip that needed a rest stop, if they knew that they could that McDonald's was clean and had clean bathrooms, they would be more likely to to choose the McDonald's over the yes. you know the other option. Yes, and as a result, they'd say, hey, well while we're here, why don't we grab a bite to eat? Right. And so that was their plan. It wasn't about, oh, we're going to have the best fries or the the best chicken nuggets. It was like, we're going to be, we're going to have clean bathrooms and the sales will follow. Right. It's interesting. Um, Jeff Henderson told the story. So if if you've ever been to a Chick-fil-A and thankfully we've got, we've got one soon to be two and soon to be three here in central New York. Wow. Um, I I heard there's a third one going to be built on Erie Boulevard. I don't wow. know exactly where, but I'm waiting for one in the Camillus area. <laughs> it will not do anything for my waist, for sure. But, <laughs> but anyways, um, anybody that's gone to a Chick-fil-A and gone through the line and said, thank you, here's the same thing. Mm-hmm. My pleasure. I don't care where I've been, whether it's New York, whether it's traveling to Florida, in Florida, when you say thank you, you always hear my pleasure. So Jeff told us the, the story of where that came from. He said that Truett Cathy, who again was the founder of Chick-fil-A, had stayed at a Ritz-Carlton. And there was one person, when he said thank you, that said, my pleasure. And it struck him. That is such a special way to acknowledge a thank you. Mm-hmm. So he went to their franchisees conference and introduced this to their franchisees. I don't know how many thousand there were at the time. And he made them practice. He would say, thank you. And they would all say, my pleasure. But Jeff said it took 10 years of Truett's relentless, continually repeating this till it became part of the brand. Mm -hmm. And now it's what they're known for. (laughs) It's what they're known for. Mm -hmm. And when you go there, anytime you go to a Chick-fil-A, the line is like are out the door, around the corner. It's, but it's still fast. And they make you feel like you are an invited guest. Mm-hmm. And it works. So that's that thing of, you know, you really need to know what do you want to be known for? And then what are you known for? Yep. So we got something else on your list, right? One more. Uh, it is say yes, tell the world, and then figure it out. Yes. I love that one. It's so simple. We 
we have these ideas, we have all these great ideas of what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, but we never do it. You know, when, when, I, when I logged in to the first morning of the, of the event, uh, one of the guys said, one of the, the, the mentors said, I usually say this on Monday, but it's Tuesday, but it's do it day. Mm-hmm. And, it, and I wrote that down, do it day. You, until you say yes and start moving, you'll never know if your idea is any good. And saying yes, tell the world and then figure it out. There's now accountability. Mm -hmm. But until you say yes, saying yes is, is committing to an action. And without action, there's no traction. So then the other part is you'll never figure it out until you say yes. Uh, And that might, I think that I might've just, jumped on one of our midday calls or something during my conference said, Hey, this was something I just learned, <laughs> but just say yes. Mm-hmm. And you'll figure it out. So in the last 20 minutes, we covered like, I don't know, a couple hours of my four days. <laughs> <laughs> we summarized that real quick for everyone. <laughs> we did. You know, I'm just, I'm hoping that these takeaways are just something that, People can just, oh, that was good. Mm-hmm. I want to practice that. Mm-hmm. You know, and ask yourself, if you really want to be a person that's a change maker, have you allowed yourself to be changed? So that's it for today. Great. Thank you for sharing I, that with us. My pleasure. And, you know, like you said, because I say it all the time, the best way to make sure you remember something is to teach it, Mm -hmm. right? Share it, Mm -hmm. which is what we did. So I don't know what I'm doing next week. That's okay. I might dig dig into some more nuggets. Okay. Um, But we'll we'll see. Sounds good. And I also, so um, great book, this, this book, Know What You're For by Jeff Henderson, mm-hmm. uh, a growth strategy for work and even better a strategy for life. And then I just listened to an author this morning that I think you're going to really appreciate. Um, I listened to a podcast where she was a guest and I ordered the audiobook, and now I'll order the hardbound books. And the title of the book is Believe It, mm. which is really great. Mm-hmm. So I can't wait to dig into that one. I'm sure Great. that's going to work its way into some podcasts as well. So it's beautiful outside. It it's is. sunny. The days are getting longer. Mm-hmm. Any plans for the upcoming weekend? No, we're expecting some nice weather though. And I'm really looking yes. forward to that. I only have one more string of lights that I need to take down. <laughs> I haven't taken mine down yet. I've just unplugged I, them. <laughs> I, I waited for the, I took the ones off the fences that were easy that I, you know, that were easy for me to get to. Mm-hmm. Um, but the one pine tree in my backyard is too tall. So I had to order a pole to help get those. Yeah. Because I put them on with a ladder and a hoe and that was really dangerous. Yes. Our our install was pretty dangerous. So we need to wait. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm hoping to get those down this weekend. But other than that, I think we're good for today. Sounds good. So with that, I'm Dave Freund. I'm Marissa Norcross. And this was the next page.